You're listening to another great podcast in the MyMac Podcasting Network. And it's time for the Geeks Pub with me, Tim Robertson, and that guy over there. Hello, David Cohen. Hello, David Cohen. How are you today? I'm okay. Yeah? Yeah. Well, that's good. Okay. Yeah. I, always, always good. I, I'm good, too, even though we had mm-hmm. a... Uh, a kind of a odd last, I would say, oh, 18 hours or so. We, um, it's that time of the year here in Michigan where you have weather events. Mm-hmm. Oh, a year ago, we were out of power for four days. Um, nothing as bad as that. But yesterday, starting around noon, we were under tornado watch. And then when I got home around five o'clock ish, we had a tornado warning. The sirens didn't go off, so you don't head to the basement until you hear the sirens. So you got tornado watch, tornado warning, and, and, and tornado. Oh my god! And to then, get to the basement, uh, we had thunderstorm warning, which is duh, because uh, it was torrential rain. And now we're under a flood advisory until Tuesday, I believe. So that's fun. It, it, it will it not. Doesn't sound like fun. It, it will not flood at my house. We are at a pretty, relatively speaking, to the nearby river, which is about a half mile away, if that. Uh, yeah. We are way up elevation. Um, we would probably for the river to actually flood our house, it would have to rise. I'm guessing about twenty feet. Maybe more. But are you are you at risk of flash flooding there? Where basically you're if you're on a hill and the top of the hill gets a a whole load of rain, then you could get a flash flood running down the hill? Sure, but we are kind of at the top of said hill. Okay. So it all runs away from you. Yeah, for the most part. Now that's not to say that it couldn't, you know, get water damage in the basement. We've had that happen before. But yeah. Considering our house was built in 1890, that's not really surprising. So effectively, you are a weather god. I am a weather god. Uh, fear of my power. Uh, yeah, it's, you know, there was this uh, Facebook meme. And it shows uh, Michiganders when you get a tornado warning. Or male dad. Uh, and it shows, you know, us going outside and looking, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> which is, yes, that is exactly nowadays with, right. nowadays with your, with your phone out so you can video it. Yeah. I, in fact, there was, um, I don't know if you saw it over there. There was a, a freak tornado in Czechos in the Czech Republic last week. And, um, there was lots of video of it, of people basically watching the funnel cloud come towards them. But, you know, and, and the, the building next to them kind of being destroyed by the funnel cloud and then them turning around and then the sound of breaking glasses effectively blew in their windows. And you just thought, yeah, you don't know, you don't tornado much. And Yeah, the thing is, think, it's like, dude, it, it's um, m- maybe go back in the house. Yeah, I, I suppose the problem in the Czech Republic where you're not used to having tornadoes is you probably have nowhere to go in the house that's going to protect you from the tornado. We'll go between two uh, load-bearing walls. Or... Yeah, I don't. <laughs> well, you know what? In my house, 
there are the only load bearing walls, the ones on the on the kind of the four four outside walls of the house. There are no two load bearing walls inside the house. Uh, uh, probably a lot of houses are like that as well because you know they're not built for tornado country. No, you know. Um, so uh, when we have tornadoes in Britain, and we do have them occasionally. They're um, they're not often kind of house destroying tornadoes. They tend to be blow roof tiles off, maybe flip a car or something like that, and and those are very few and far between. And they kind of they last for about they normally track on the ground for about thirty seconds, a couple of minutes, and then they dissipate again. We just don't have the atmospheric energy for them here. Uh, and I presume the Czech Republic is the same, though this one did actually cause a lot of damage and caused quite a few deaths as well. Well, climate change so are, it, is changing things too. Yeah, that's um, that's something that people don't get. But uh, yeah, the, we're all going to be dealing with these um, things. So I'm going to go after this show's finished. I'm going to go start digging my uh, tornado hole. You should in the back of the garden. You should. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's not actually tornadoes that usually do the most damage when it comes to these types of weather events. It's uh, it's called straight line winds. So that's when you get a gust of wind, usually over 100 miles an hour, all basically centering on one point. And it mm-hmm. is quite destructive. Well, isn't that isn't that kind of what tornado is? No. Is swelling winds at no, high speed is, centered on one point? straight line winds. Right. So it's not twisting. It's a straight line wind. Okay. So it's like getting hit with a hammer. Yeah, but... If you if a tornado runs right over your house, that's also not a good day for you, is it? No, it would be kind of a bad thing, I would think. Yeah. So, just basically, all high all high wind weather events should be avoided as much as possible. Yeah, as much as possible, but of course they're a little difficult to uh, avoid. I remember well, coming yeah, back you... from uh, Cedar Point, which is about four and a half hours um, south and east of where I live. And Cedar Point is this really big amusement park. They're well known for their roller coasters. I think they have more roller coasters per capita in their park than anybody else. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't remember how old I was. I'm going to guess around 23. And I had I w- just had broke up with a girlfriend who would become my first wife and went to a friend's house. Oh, well, sorry. his work, you I should say. You broke up with and the said, girlfriend hey, what are you who doing became tomorrow? your first wife. Like, I don't know, nothing. I said, let's go to Cedar Point. And he was just like, just like that. Just We're just going to go to Cedar Point tomorrow. And I said, yeah. And he was like, all right. So we went to Cedar Point. On, and we had a good time. I don't remember doing anything there. But I do remember driving home afterwards. And yep. there was it, pretty much, there's nothing to see. You're on the 8090 Ohio Turnpike, and it's just flat. There's just nothing to see almost the entire trip. And you can see pretty far in some areas, especially in Indiana and in parts of Ohio. There's just nothing there, just fields. And we could see a thunderstorm coming at us and was running parallel to the highway we're on about a mile off. And we could literally see the rain. It was a curtain of rain. Mm-hmm. And it was going pretty much the same speed we are, but it wasn't coming towards us. And we're in sunshine, dry yep. as a bone, and right there is torrential downpour, and it was just like a curtain. It was, it, until you see something like that, it's really hard to uh, picture. 
And you might mm-hmm. see videos online or something, but that's not the same thing because it's horizon to horizon, a curtain of black rain just right there. Yeah. And you're like, man, oh, this is weird. Are we going to outrun it? Is it going to catch us? And then it just started getting lighter and lighter and lighter and it disappeared. It's really weird mm-hmm. and kind of cool at the same time. Weather is weird. Mm-hmm. I drove through the remnants of, uh, I believe it was Hurricane uh, Andrew back in 89, the 80s. 89, 90, yeah. somewhere in there. And uh, I was moving to Texas and it was uh, surreal to say the least because at nighttime it was just, you know, bad. But during the day it was also bad and it would be sunny and clear and then black as night with rain and then completely clear again as the bands would go over you. Yeah. It was, uh, that was a strange trip. I remember when I finally got to Houston, which is where I was moving to, uh, I was the most tired I'd ever been because I had been so stressed on the drive because of, you know, a hurricane. Stupid things you do when you're 18, 19 years old. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's exactly what it is like. Well, it, it rained really hard on uh, Friday when I had to go to work, and I literally got on the highway, couldn't see anything, got off at the next exit, and took the back way to work, which takes, you know, an extra half hour, but, you know, at least I, I can see. It's easier to see in heavy downpour when you're doing 30 as opposed to, you know, 60 and worrying about the semi slamming into you behind you. Yeah. That's always fun. Yeah. Driving driving takes more attention than a lot of people realize, but uh, bad weather driving, much, much more. Well, let's hope that more people realize how much, you know, attention driving takes. I mean. Right. You, you know, I, I'm sure you've experienced this as well. You notice this as you get older. <laughs> it's, you know. Uh, I did um, a 200-mile uh, each way trip. Was it 200? No, it's, yeah, 200-mile round trip on Wednesday for oh. the day. Each way. Um, so you drove 400 uh, no, miles? No, no, I drove 200 miles total. Oh, okay. Miles each way. Right. Um, and I was done in when I got back. And, you know, I used to... It's exhausting. I, yeah, well, yeah, but yeah, the thing is, I used to I used to not, not even think about that um, when, I was, when I was in my 20s. You know, I would, uh, I would not think about that at all. I would, you know, get up early in the morning. My parents lived a long way from where I lived at the time, so I would get up in the morning in my 20s and... Uh, early in the morning and drive down to uh, to where they lived, which was like 220, 230 miles, and just, you know, get there for breakfast, and, and that was it. And then I'd come back the following day and just not even think about it. Be back in work on Monday. I couldn't do that anymore. No, um, I'm with you there. But one th- yeah, and, and that's this is, I mean, because nowadays the cars much more drive themselves than they used to. I have that radar cruise control on my car now. That um, makes it easy, that, and radar actually sees it right through easier. rain. And fog. Well, yeah, and also as well, but the thing is, is if somebody cuts in front of you, the car slows straight down. Um, it's much less likely that you'll come up on a sudden slowdown without noticing it right. because the car will start to slow down. Um, it does take a lot of the, a lot of the, um, you know, the kind of the, um, the adrenaline out of, out of highway driving out. And, and of course, we never used to have that. Yeah. Never used to have cruise control here for uh, a long, long time. I don't know if I could drive long distance without cruise control anymore. Yeah. I don't think I have it in me at this point. Yeah, it's it's difficult. You know, I, I but but then you see people who are in the seventies and eighties who drive, 
you know, New York to Florida and stuff like that. And you just think, how do you manage that? Yeah. Oh, I couldn't do it. Anyways. Yeah. Let's move on to some geeky stuff. I mean, weather mm-hmm. can be considered geeky in some respects, but not so much. Uh, you've got an Evercade. Talk, talk to me about that. I, I have. Yeah. So this is, um, uh, this is from Blaze, who, who make a lot of retro systems. Um, but this is their big, most recent system. It's a handheld system. Um, kind of, you know, it's pretty well constructed. It's kind of like a, um, you know, kind of like a, a Game Boy Advance, that sort of thing in terms of, of how it looks, slightly retro feel to it. But it takes, um, it gives you classic games, but it, it takes cartridges. So they provide uh, cartridges with uh, a series of curated game experiences on. Uh, and the uh, model I got was um, the premium pack. So it came with three sets of games, uh, an Atari pack, a Namco pack, and then an Interplay pack. I saw those, so, and they're just plugins, yes? Yeah, it's, it's basically just like a Game Boy Advance. You just plug the cartridge in the back, turn it on, and off you go. Um, and the advantage of this system is that obviously there's no configuration. They've done all the work for you. They've made sure that the games work properly on their system. So there's none of the kind of tweaking you sometimes have to do if you buy one of the Chinese systems that can do this sort of thing and load games off SD cards. And obviously you don't need to go and find the games. Um, they're provided for you. The downside, of course, you've got to buy the cartridges. They're not that expensive. Uh, I mean, normally about $15, $20 a piece. And they have a very wide range of games available for this now. It's quite good. They've, they've, they're not just doing classic arcade games. They've got um, some indie titles on there. There's a few that have been created just for the system. Um, and they, they it's, it's noticeable on, on the packs that they, they, they don't just go for the obvious ones. So, for instance, the Namco pack has three or four or five games that you'll have heard of and you recognise it's got Pac-Man on there. It's got... Um, uh, Zevius on there, which is you know pretty much a standard for most of these classic systems. Indie Heroes um, Collection number one looks pretty good. Yeah, yeah. So you know you've got that sort of stuff. But then, the, for instance, the Namco pack has has some games that you might not have played or be as familiar with. Like it's got Mappy on it. Um, I played Mappy this, quite a bit. Yeah, um, but not you know it wasn't one of the as it wasn't quite as big as some of the other ones. Um, it has uh, Galaxian on there, which is a big space shooter, but um, it, it also has this game that I've been enjoying quite a lot called Space Luster, which is a little bit like Star Raiders on the Atari. It's like a, um, it's like a space, almost like an early space simulator. Oh, it's where you, you actually, it, it is combined, it is a bit like the old Star Trek game where you actually have to fly to sectors and then clear the sector. But when you arrive there, it's like a, a pseudo 3D shooter. Uh, it's quite a fun game, actually, and uh, not something I'd ever heard of before. So I, I like the system for being able to play something I've And how much are the cartridges? Not, not play for. Uh, they're about $15, $20 each, um, most of them. Uh, and they've got some. I, I've pre-ordered some, which are coming later this year. They've they've got they've got a. They're re, obviously the the key thing or something like this is making sure that they're supported, um, and they are really going gangbusters on new cartridges for it. So let me just look up what I, what did I pre-order? So they have a uh, not just a handheld. Now the handheld has the four point three inch screen, which is quite small. Yeah, it's it's okay. I mean, it's it kind of suits the system and you'll remember these games are all very low res yes um i think the most advanced game i've played on it so far is on the interplay pack that comes with it they have an earthworm gym which was kind of like a 16-bit sega master system uh, sega genesis type um game so, so it's an 80 dollar pl- handheld yeah 
Does that come with a cartridge when you buy it? It yeah, the eighty dollar version I think comes with the premium pack with these three cartridges, which is the uh, Atari one. The Atari one is all is mostly twenty six hundred games. So there's a couple of seventy eight hundred games as well, but it's not Atari arcade stuff. Um, the Namco one is mostly arcade games, and then the Interplay one is is as like I say, it's got this mix. It's got Battle Chess on there, which looks like a an NES version. It's got um, Earthworm Jim, which seems to be a Sega Genesis. You know, so it's kind of those sorts of mixes of games in them. Um, they have a uh, special on uh, Facebook, uh, but it's look. I think it's just Evercade Premium Pack includes three cartridges: Atari Volume that's the One, one, Interplay Volume One, and Delta East Volume One for okay, ninety nine so ninety nine, so a hundred dollars. So that's a slightly different one than that, the one. Essentially, I have. the same one, though. I mean, yeah. Yeah. yeah, and the so cartridges what, uh, are uh, look. They look like they're twenty bucks each. But yeah. what's weird is they all say pre-order. Well, yeah, a, they've got a whole load that are coming out later on this year. Yeah, it looks so, like they're all um, coming out anywhere from July thirtieth, right up through uh, the end of November. Yeah, there's about I think there's about fifteen different cartridges that are available right now. But then they have this whole load more. Um, so I have pre-ordered. The Atari Arcade cartridge, which is due uh, due in November, I think. Uh, and let's see what that that has: uh, Asteroids Deluxe, um, Canyon Bomber, Centipede, Crystal Castles, Liberator, Lunar Lander, Millipede, Missile Command, Pong, Skydiver, Warlords, Super Breakout, and Night Driver on it. So tell so me the, the difference that, between this and. Buying, like we talked about uh, on the last Tech Fan, uh, a system that you load your own games. Obviously, simplicity is going to be part of it. Yeah. You know, you, you just pop yeah. it oh. in and play these games. Exactly. Also, as well, as I said, they're providing games that you might not think of to buy. Yeah. Um, so, for instance, the other cartridge I've ordered is a Bitmap Brothers cartridge. And Bitmap Brothers used to do... Um, used to do games for kind of the Atari ST and the Amiga. They were a British uh, software house. And they did this great uh, game that was based on Rollerball called Speedball that was fantastic. And so they're doing that. So they're taking computer games and putting them on as well. Um, they uh, So, so yeah, they, they're kind of... They're doing the whole curation piece, which means you're not set with that thing where you load one of the one of the Chinese systems up, which I have somewhere around here, you load it up and you're faced with thousands of games. It's just like, well, which one do I play? You know, you have to go scrolling through and find that. This is this is much less intellectually stressful. You literally just go put a cartridge in, uh, flick through the games and play. Everything is sorted for you. So there's no configuration. There's no control mapping issues. Um, there's no weird screen resolution uh, things or anything like that. They, I can tell with most of the games I play, particularly the arcade games, that they have been kind of they've been kind of redeveloped slightly for the system. So they're still the original arcade games, but they've been kind of adjusted to make sure that there's no problems with the system. Um, whereas what you'll find with uh, with arcade ROMs and stuff like that is you might find uh, the ROM set you have doesn't work really well with the system you've got, and then you've got to play around with it. Um, any so, way to so hook they, any way to hook this up to a TV? Yeah, it's got an HDMI port in the back, so it'll go straight into the TV. Really? And then the new system they've got, the Versus system, is basically it's it's a like a Nintendo Entertainment System version of the same idea. So basically, that has two controllers on it, and and 
dedicated hook to your TV. So um, from that point of view, it's it's all it's all great, really. The other thing is the cartridges are really nicely done. They're not just like SD cards and that. They they feel like a Game Boy cartridge. They're very well built. The whole system's really well built. Um, and then you actually get a booklet in each. They come in a proper plastic case, but you then you get a booklet in each uh, cartridge that that gives you all the details, not just the instructions, but like the history of the game uh, for each of the games on the con- on the cartridge. So you you kind of get something that's a little bit more collectible, perhaps than just you know an sd card and just like you know somebody wants to pick this up and go oh what games have you got on here can i figure out how to play them can i understand what they're about you're getting that information um on a on a a nice printout manual inside the cartridge so it's got a very kind of a an old school feel to it it does really take you back to the 80s and the 90s when you actually bought real cartridges uh, and you maybe kept them in a box well you know uh, and hand them in your shelf atari released the uh a brand new vca uh, vcs yeah, and the only thing that really appeals to me is the joystick controller. It looks like yeah. a classic one, but it's been updated, and it, it looks really cool, and I kind of really want it. But every review I've read on that system sounds like it's pretty bad. For instance, yeah, uh, one to navigate screens, it shows you either the arcade or the box art from like the Atari Twenty Six Hundred, and yeah. You could you can use 4K if you want, but from every review that I've seen, you'd be stupid to do so because why why would you want to play, you know, Asteroids on a 4K? It it looks yeah. awful, and then the entire system is laggy at 4K. Just even menu choices are laggy, so it doesn't sound like a great system. But it it also sounds like in the carousel mode when you're looking at these cartridges and the box art that they literally pulled like a 300 by 600 pixel Google search of the box art and use that. I mean, it looks really bad. And I'm thinking, yeah. you know, you you made hardware that kind of is reminiscent of the original Atari 2600. The controllers look like that's where all your money went. Um, yeah. you, you put just a, a, a janky, you know, barely over a, a retro pie type of uh, board in there. And you just, it, it looks like a money grab and that's all it is. Yeah. It's, it's kind of sad because it could have been something really cool and they charged $300 for it with no controller, yeah. 300 bucks. I know. I think this is what, what Blaze have got right with the Evercade is that they're, they're obviously seeing it as a whole, um, as a long-term system investment, not just as a, let's throw the hardware out and let the um, software take care of itself. And I think, you know, all of these games are, are obviously properly licensed. They're all like, they all say copyright 2021 Blaze. So they're, they're all properly licensed. So you don't have to worry about, um, you know, any any legal issues with that. This is this is the sort of thing you might want to give to a kid if they just want to play old games. Or if you want to play old games, you don't have the time or the interest in messing around with RetroPie um, or one of these Chinese systems or Android emulators or anything like that. And don't get me wrong, there's nothing wrong with either approach. It's just this is... 
you know, I'm sort of, I'm a little bit surprised by how much I like this because initially my thought was, well, you're, you're paying a lot more money than you were paying for a Chinese kind of emulation system that can run everything off an SD card, uh, and you are. But but I can see where the money's gone, and and it's you know it, it's going into the right places. And for me, I look at this and I think, you know, I I kind of want to support this. How does it feel in your hand? How do the buttons feel? And how does it? It's more importantly the D pad. Yeah, the D-pad's really good. The buttons are really good. They've put obviously put a lot of effort to that. There's no... I mean, for instance, playing Pac-Man, which obviously very much relies on precise four-way control. Yes. I had no issues whatsoever. It was great. It was really, really positive. The button feel is really good. Um, That's always my concern. The the, the D-pad on these cheap handhelds are always, always junky. Always. I've never found one that was... Well, with the exception of the one that we talked about earlier, the Ambernick system, that, that D-pad is really actually pretty good. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. It, how is it? Yeah, I, no, I'm, I've been pleased with it. I think the controls are really good. They're better, certainly better than the, um, I think my one's an Ambernick, but I, I, it, it, you know, it seems equivalent to me. It doesn't seem to be uh, in, in any way worse. And I've, I've had some of these um, systems before where the controls are just junk. Uh, and this is not. This is a really good effort. The uh, I've, I've read online that apparently um, some of the early releases people had problems with the cartridges not quite sliding in and out properly. They seem to have fixed that now because I've had no problems at all. Um, you know, don't get me wrong. Blazer are a relatively small company, so this is not like an Atari system or a. Uh, well, we just mentioned the Atari system's not great, but this is not. This is not. Um, you know, this is not like Nintendo manufacturing. <laughs> volume so it's small volume stuff you are potentially going to get a few issues i i i believe online i've read that uh blaze are exceptional at customer service for this system um you know the the only thing i think the only thing probably i would ding it for is the battery life is not quite as long as i would like um you know it would be great if it lasted a little bit longer but um you know you get a good few hours out of it uh the screen is fine it's not it's not the best screen i've ever seen it's it's a little bit washed out and there's a little bit of um, LED bleed at the bottom corners on my particular one, but it's not bad by any stretch of the imagination. And you've got to remember we are paying, we are playing these very old games that are very low resolution. So um, it's not really a problem. Um, I'm, I'm really happy with it. And I'm, I'm surprised because as I said, when I first heard about this, I thought, Oh, you know, you're paying a lot more money. Yeah. Yeah. Money grab. But actually I think this is a really, really good effort. And, Personally, I believe that if we want to keep the availability of some of these classic video games, this has to be the way to do it. With yeah, it cannot be piracy. Licensing. Yeah, and because because obviously you know piracy is it it has its place. There are some intellectual properties which will never get licensed to a system like this because the owners are, are lost in time or change hands or stuff like or that. Nintendo. Or Nintendo, or, or they just don't do it. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, um, you know, though, those, those other systems we were talking about, I, I don't want to diss them at all. I think they're really, really important for the preservation of some of this classic video game stuff, but I'm really pleased with this. I really like it. And as I said, I've ordered more cartridges for it. So I'm, I'm probably going to, um, I'm probably going to, uh, stick with this one. It's just, for me, it's more convenient to be able to pick it up and know the game is going to work. I'm not going to have any problems. Um, you know, and the, the, the broad choice of different availability, different types of games, I think is a really good move as well. If it had just been the same the same thing you always get in all the um, 
you know arcade collections you can buy for the switch and stuff like that then it wouldn't be so interesting but the fact that they're offering different genres different um, sources of games stuff which you may not have thought of or remembered or perhaps even know about i think is is to be applauded and uh yeah i hope this i hope this keeps going they certainly seem to be investing and bringing more games for it which is uh, only going to be a good thing i'm looking up um because i am just completely drawn a blank on something i put a pre-order in for Right. Um, and they already took my money, which is always fun. Um, yeah, here it is. Let me uh, pull this up because I I actually pre-ordered this on uh, June 16th. So let me pull this up and um, get it correct because I, I don't want to be incorrect. Come on. Come on. So uh, Ardu Boy. R. A-R-D-U-B-O-Y. And it's a miniature game system the size of a credit card. Oh, right. I've seen this one before. And yeah. these are all uh, original games. It's, this is not ported or anything like that. Uh, it's dot com, And so uh, I know someone who had one. And I'm getting the that FX is a miniature game system the size of a credit card, um, pre-ordered with over 200 games, and you will get new games over time. And I heard that a lot of the games are actually quite good. <laughs> yeah, you're going to get some that's yeah. just not good. Um, and they have like you know it's it's all black and white. This yeah. isn't color, you know. Like I heard, Micro City is really good. Um, uh, they've kind of got the Zelda clone that I heard is really good. Um, uh, they had adventure, but it starts with A R D U. So they're kind of playing off, you know, yeah. the company name. Uh, but they're kind of just simple pick up and play for a while and have fun with it. And it looks really, really fun. Yeah. And it was the, 60 bucks, uh, 50, yeah. $55. The beauty about this, the reason it's called Ardu Boy is because it's based on Arduino, which is a microcontroller. Um, and basically they've built, this is a microcontroller game system and you can develop your own games for it. So it's quite easy to uh, write your own games in C++ if, if that's if that's your bag. And that's where most of these games are coming from. Yeah, is from the pre-orders community. for shipping the first batch is already done. And I don't remember yeah. if I've got that one or... I got stuck in um, pre-order number two. Yeah. So they, they, they did this about um, 2015 on Kickstarter. So this is the latest version. Um, and yeah, I, I've seen these before. They also do, the same company does a line of kind of little handhelds that only have one or two games in that are licensed. So they do a Tetris one yeah. and um, that sort of thing as well, where they have a little color screen on, which I've I've kind of been interested to find but i've never actually tracked track one down at a price i wanted to pay so um yeah this is a this th- i love this sort of thing you know the fact that that people are using kind of the modern capabilities to to do retro style games on i think is really really interesting uh, and the fact that it's open source you can develop for it um even you can even develop non-games for it you can develop other things for it if you want to um is really kind of cool and the hardware is is it seem extremely attractive because it looks like a little tiny Game Boy yep. with this really sharp screen. 
It um, looks fun. That's why I ordered it. Yeah. There's yeah. there's one other system that I'll be honest. I'm the most excited for. And pre-orders go live in July. And um, it's called the play date. Have you looked at this at all? Uh, my, I'm also waiting to pre-order yeah. my play date. In fact, I was going to talk about the play date when you mentioned this. Yes. Um, this is the the one from Panic, um, Panic from Panic, who who are a software developer um, and are well known for for doing really great software for the Mac. And they decided to do this this uh, open source console, and it's it's really kind of cool. It has a, a um, a unique controller, a crank on the side that kind of you pull out and you can then use to wind back and forth that can implement the games. This is a similar sort of thing. It has an open source um, game uh, development coming for it. Uh, and you can write your own games for it. Apparently a little bit easier maybe than the Ardu Boy. Um, and uh, yeah, again, a really sharp, bright, easy to see black and white screen. Um, and uh, they're doing this thing where you buy it and then you get a kind of a season of games where they download a new game to you every week. Yes. Which is, is kind of fun, and I think you're going to get 20, 30 games for it. And then the I think the idea is you'll buy more seasons later on. It's funny, when you it. look at the specs, you think, oh my God, this is going to be terrible. But yet, I'm really excited. Um, yeah. It's got 14 hours of standby as a clock, so you can actually use this thing as a clock. And there's this little, um, I don't know what you'd call it. They're also building like this little speaker that it connects to in the front that will hold yeah. a pencil, which. It, yeah, it's a dock. Yeah. It's a speaker dock. It's it, a Bluetooth speaker it dock. It looks kind of amazing, to be frank. Uh, 180 megahertz Cortex M7. I mean, nothing. 16 yeah. megabytes of RAM, 32 of L1 cache, kilobytes of L1 cache, and 4 gigabyte flash ROM. Uh, which is n- all of that is n- nothing size 76 by 74 by nine millimeters um, includes USB C to a cable for obviously charging. It has Bluetooth uh, built in mono speaker, but stereo headphone jack and a condenser mic. Uh, so the screen 400 by 240 at one bit. Yeah. I mean, that is, my your Apple Watch has a screen a thousand times better. Yeah, uh, it's got a D pad, an A B button, and a three axis accelerometer and a crank. For all of these, just it sounds like oh my god, this would have been popular in 1989. Is 179 dollars plus taxes and shipping. So by the time you get it, you're at 225. <clears throat> yeah, I can't wait to buy it. No, me neither. It looks, um, yes, I know the specs look terrible, people. It does. It looks amazing. The games look simple and fun. I want this bad. I want this more than I want the new Atari. Yeah, no, I completely agree with you. When this was, um, so when this was announced, uh, I think it was two think it was years bef- ago. Two years ago, yeah. I remember Edge Magazine, anybody who, who who likes video games may know edge magazine. It's a British magazine. It's very, it's a very high end, high production value video games magazine. It's kind of like the wired of video games. And they do these really in-depth articles on uh, video game development and the history of video games and how we need game video games have affected culture and this sort of thing. It's a little bit of a, it's there. Somebody's attempt at a highbrow video games magazine. And they did when this was announced, they did a full, 
like a four-page spread. It's a real amazing thing on on the ideas behind this and how it came about. And really, it is this company, Panic, who who traditionally are a software house, just decided one day, they said, you know what would be fun if we made a video game console? And uh, they looked into it and they started doing it. But unlike many people, they are uh, using their own profits to develop this. They're not kickstartering it. Um, and um, yeah, and you can become a, a developer for this, and they will distribute your games as well. Exactly. Yeah, and and the the development system basically soon. run. Yeah, it comes soon, but it's going to run on the web. Um, you know, it'll run on pretty much anything. Uh, there are no, um, there's no developer fees or anything like that. It's all completely open source. Uh, and um, obviously they'll they'll take a cut of of distributing your games for you, but you know they they want to turn this into a real platform, and I, I think again it's it's interesting to see. It's great that we live in a, a world where somebody can basically decide to build and develop their own video game platform um, at, at a price that a, that a, a relatively successful company can do without having to spend you know hundreds of millions of dollars, which is what. Um, I presume Sony and Nintendo do when they decide to bring a console to the market. Between the three that we've talked about, the Evercade, the Ardu, how do you say that? Ardui Boy, I think. Ardui Boy. It's Arduino, so it's be Ardui Boy. And the Playdate. I think the Playdate will be the most successful. I think this is going to take a lot of people by surprise. I think that um, those who just don't get it will never get it, and those who do will love it. Uh, you don't need, here's the thing to sit down and enjoy a good game. You don't even need electronics. You can have a a deck of cards. Yeah. Um, last night, for instance, because we had big storms and, you know, we ate dinner a little early, uh, just in case we lost power. Um, we set up a card table and we played a couple rounds of, I don't, I don't know what it's called. But there's a deck of cards, and it gives you easy, medium, or hard um, choices, and the other people decide. We play by our own rules, by the way, me, Julie, and Colin Brooke. Mm-hmm. And let's say it's um, an easy one might be happy. And so you draw, and they decide which one, and they pick the easy. So you you have to draw on a little handheld board something that would be happy and they right. have to guess. And the mm-hmm. first one that gets people, everybody else to guess, uh, you get five, then you win. And if you're the yeah. one that guesses the person, you always get the easy answer the next time. So there's, right. you know, if you, if one person's killing everyone, they're at four and they get one more and they win and everybody else sandbags them. You know what I mean? Um, so yeah. we, we, it's just a lot of fun because none of us are artists. We all suck at drawing and, uh, you know, it. you don't need electronics to do that. It's just a fun family event. But if you do want to play an electronic game, you don't have to get the latest and greatest PS5 or Xbox, whatever the hell they're calling it now. Um, you, you can get something very simple, like a one-bit system that could be hours of fun and cost a third of the money. Well, let's face it. Some of the all of these classic videos that we were talking about were running on very, very low end hardware. You know, the original Game Boy had really quite extremely primitive specs, and that also had a black and white screen. Uh, I think back in the day, we all kind of wished it was sharper than it was. Um, but uh, 
some of the greatest games of all time were written and developed for that system. Um, so you don't you don't need big fancy hardware specs. It's nice to have, but the core gameplay um, it's just like reading a book yeah. or something like the core. It's... But core gameplay often relies on um, you know it 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 can build on on the fact that you're playing a game, but you have some imagination behind it as well as you're playing the game. Fun is uh, fun. And if you get it doesn't to solving matter the task, how sophisticated the fun is. Yeah. Exactly. You can't That's quantify, exactly. hey, I had a good time playing, you know, uh, the play date last night for two hours. I played this and it was such a blast. And the next guy goes, ugh, really? I was playing on PS5 for two hours and Call of Duty and blah, blah, blah. And uh, yeah, but was your fun more fun than mine or mine was less fun? Just different. Fun is fun. Who cares? What yeah, exactly. You, yeah. you know, uh, speaking of fun, uh, as you know, I've been in PC, uh, laptop, you know, ecstasy lately because Amazon keeps yep. sending me laptops. <laughs> um, so I've pretty much got them all sorted out. What's going to do what, right? So yep. Julie is going to be, uh, the recipient of the, um, oh, what is this? Uh, the Acer unit. Mm-hmm. And I gave one of my daughters, the Lenovo, the cheap. I don't even remember the name of the PC uh, is my backup work computer. It just lives in a drawer at work that's locked because if someone steals it, I don't care. Yeah. And I'm keeping uh, the HP for myself. Right. And I've been, I was using it yesterday and in anticipation of what I wanted to use this for, for the most part, I bought a gaming mat that has RGB colors around it, which quite honestly is uh, way bigger than I realized. I should have looked at the specs. It's huge. Right. And I also got a, um, uh, who makes this thing? It doesn't even say. Yeah. When, when they don't put their name on it, that should tell you all you need to know. It's a little RGB gaming mouse, right? It looks like some kind of a futuristic beetle in armor. <laughs> um, but it's, it's quite good. I mean, it, it works for what it does. And of course I have the laptop on a little laptop stand that, you know, you can raise and lower and put a different angle. And I've been playing games on it yesterday and I did two, two different games. Um, I rediscovered my battle.net account All right. and I, so I signed in and you could actually download for free and play for free Warcraft two or a, uh, Starcraft and the expansion pack. That's right, yeah. Uh, I think it's actually, is it StarCraft 2? No, Star, this is the original StarCraft. And um, online, and I think you saw my link to this, you can actually play WarCraft 2 for free online. It's yep. a website, and I'm sure it's not legal. I, I can't imagine it is. But you launch it, and it launches a, a, a DOS emulator, and there's an option to go full screen, and you can play the original Warcraft 2. I was playing both of those games yesterday. And you would think, okay, playing Warcraft within a browser, that's got to be kind of ugh. It was awesome. It's running at full speed. It runs perfectly. I The reason I got the mouse is I can't play those kind of games with a trackpad. I, right. It's not going to happen. Yeah. Um, so I, I need a mouse. But I played probably, and just against the computer, not against people. I probably played 
three games of Warcraft and and one of Starcraft. And it was it was a blast. I mean, it took me back 20, 25 years to playing these games. And that's one of the reasons I kind of wanted a, a, a PC laptop to play some of these older games that to this day I still enjoy. I still think they're some of the best games ever made. Yep. They just, they're brilliant, you know. I, I can't tell you how many stories I have of setting up uh, LAN parties at work or, you know, the guy in the same room. I remember a friend of mine used to bring his Mac over, which doesn't sound like a big deal now, but this was a when your CRT weighed 30 pounds, let alone your CPU and your keyboard yep. and your mouse, and we'd run, uh, set up a, a local area network or LAN, and we'd play against each other in Warcraft. I mean, yeah. it was it was a blast. I, it was so much fun. I used to do that with um, Duke Nukem 3D. Used to take my PC over to my friend's house, uh, and we would use a serial cable to yeah. connect the two of them together. Uh, null serial cable, and then play against each other. So we'd set it up so we couldn't see each other's screens. We were like face to face. The dog and then scratch play on the each door. Other. Hold on, you keep going. I, I got to go check on this dog. I okay, find out why. He's so we used scratching. to do that. Yeah, and uh, that was a lot of fun. We occasionally used to play over modem as well, um, but that was less fun because the thing is, is that we couldn't talk to each other while we were playing. Um, and this is this is back in the old DOS days. You couldn't. Um, there was no such thing as a PC headset to allow you to communicate with each other over these things. You could type um, console to each other, but of course you can't do that. Where you're also got your hands on the keyboard and your uh, for WASD, and then you're using the mouse for aiming and shooting. So it's it was always more much more fun being in person. But yeah, we were. Uh, I mean, it shows you how good the gaming experience was that you'd be prepared to shift. 40, 50 pounds worth of equipment in your car, set it up in your friend's house and then do all the um, communications voodoo required to actually get the things working and talking to each other to be able to play games against each other. Of course, now it's, you know, it's as easy as going uh, online on the internet. My son loves to play video games against his friends. In fact, he's been doing it all through lockdown. He's really kept in touch with them through his video games. And he sits there, you know, with his PS4 or his uh, Switch, and he's got his headset on so he can talk to them. Uh, and they're, they're all chatting away as they're playing. They're chatting about other things as well as the game. Um, and it's a great experience. Um, a lot easier now than it was when you were carting all that equipment around to Yeah, but was it, was it more fun now? I think it was more fun playing these multiplayer games in the same room. Yeah, well, that's what I was saying. Yeah. Back then, you couldn't, you could, because back then you couldn't speak to each other because technically it wasn't possible. They didn't have headsets and enough bandwidth for comms. No, for voice comms over over the uh, over the. But the, if you the were in the same room on a LAN, yeah, there wasn't any of this vulgar speech and no. and just being nasty. That, yeah. that didn't well, exist back then because you get your yeah, ass yeah, kicked. But, He's standing right there. Yeah, this, he this might pick it. up we a CRT to, or a keyboard and hit you over the head with it. Yeah. My my friend and I, we used to banter with each other about, you know. Oh, oh I'm going to kick oh, your you butt. Suck and, and all of that sort of thing. Yeah. But there was none of the, there was none of the, um, the really, um, yeah, the real rudeness that there is in online gaming nowadays. Uh, particularly with it's look it's that internet effect it's the same thing that that people will be horrible to each other on twitter is because they're then they're anonymous to each other um and some people just can't resist being mean to other people i, I um, remember playing uh warcraft 2 uh with mike galt he had brought his computer over and his he had a nicer computer than i did to be honest 
and a way better screen. But none of that matters in a game like Warcraft, you know? Yeah. So we're playing this map that's a huge map. And you're separated by kind of this vast wasteland. There, there's nothing. And um, he had been playing quite a bit longer than I had at that point. Well, more consistently. Like, he spent a lot more hours playing than I did. But his tactics weren't always the best. So we were pretty evenly matched. And one of my best memories of playing Warcraft is he had set up his main base right where his peasant was, and so did I. And we were building up, and it was definitely going to be a ground battle. You're not going to go for um, flight, and there's no sea to speak of on the map, so that's not going to happen. But very early in the game, he kept hitting me. And, you know, you got to build up your defenses, which kind of preclude you from building up an army. But there was a lot yeah. of gold on this map, and I noticed that he was making this huge city. So I snuck one of my peasants just southeast of his map. There was a small gold mine down there that should have been his gold mine for expansion, right? But he expanded more towards my base and kept rallying troops there. So I snuck a peasant down to that gold map, to that gold mine, built a castle and a barracks. And I just was mining the crap out of it and cranking out, you know, all of these guys just south of his base. So when he finally came at me at his full force, right? And yeah. uh, he's just devastating my base. And he thinks he's real close to winning. But he's down to just a few troops at this point, And I've got none left on that base. And he thinks it's only a just m mopping up at this point. Yeah, I hit him with mine from just south of his position. <laughs> and here comes, there, I must have had like 40, 40 uh, guys. And they're fully upgraded at this point. And he had nothing. He could not get his guys back quick enough. And even if he did, he only had like seven guys. And, yep. and I've got this army and it's just moving straight up his base. Just boom, boom, boom. It was one of my funnest times playing that game. And afterwards, when it's getting real close to the end, that's when we'll enable uh, the see all cheat, which is you, you hit, you type in the message yeah. on screen. And it gets rid of the fogs of war so you can see everything. And he saw what I did, that I just had a castle, a bunch of peons, and a barracks just cranking out warriors just south of him. And he's like, how long did you have that there? And I said, about <laughs> the last 15 minutes. He was like, if I would have just, I said, dude, if you would have just gone south, you would have totally caught me. And, I, you know, it would have been over. But he never looked there. He was, he was exploring yeah. the whole map, but he didn't look just south of himself. Thinking, why well, he can't have a base down there. That's practically sitting right on top of my base. It was yeah. so I, much fun. I I used to do the same thing. We were a friend of mine. In fact, a friend of my, friend of mine who I just saw last week. Um, we used to work together, and we were working for um, this is about twenty five years ago. We were working for a client in Liverpool, and we were in the server room all day, and it was just us there. Um, and so, anyway, one day we'd finished everything we could do for the day. Uh, and he's a big real-time strategy fan, so am I. So we fired up Total Annihilation on our work laptops. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, which is a, another great real-time strategy yeah. game. It really is. It's all robots, so you two different types of robots. And we spent the afternoon just on the, on the, uh, on the data center LAN in the server room, uh, on this small server room. What was just, the name? What, Total Annihilation. Yeah, that's what I thought you said. Yeah. 
uh, just playing Total Annihilation. And it's a similar sort of thing, you know. He and I both had different strategies. I like to build up a really big defensive base and then try and sneak something off in the map somewhere to try and um, build an attack force. Mm-hmm. Whereas he would build his, you know, he'd be very methodical and build things up and he would launch harrying attacks against me. Whereas what I would do is I would choose one unit and I would just crank it out crank to it the up. max. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, there was one there was one game I remember playing. He had his base on a cliff. Um, Total Annihilation kind of had a pseudo um, kind of like, a 3D uh, terrain thing, map. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I had these flying units that fired lasers. And I must have had, well, I think we, I think we actually had a, a, there was a unit cap on the game to stop it before it, it kind of, yeah. um, it, 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 flaked out basically so i had as many of these things i had i had 50 60 of them and they're all i remember them all being they're all floating around this cliff just compounding on his base it was so much fun yeah (laughs) you know we say this in in you know this is coming to uh, a couple of 50 year olds yeah you know this is the stuff that we grew up with now i'm not discounting that the people who play games online right now don't have fun in fact i'm saying just the opposite they have just as much fun as we did back then. Um, and they do. They really do. But I think in some respects, there is almost a negative connotation with gaming now that you have these guys that just, they're mean to women. You know, they, they say things online that's just vile that we you couldn't have got away with saying back then. You literally yeah. got your ass kicked. Or they just wouldn't have played with you ever again. Um I, I think it, it does lose a little bit something with the um, not knowing the other person. It, I don't think it matters as much to you, at least in my opinion. Yeah. That, hey, I, I just beat my buddy at this game who usually kicks my butt. As opposed to joining a, a party nowadays where there's you know 20 different human players on each side. And you, yeah, and but you die and, and kill 50 times before the game's over. Yeah. I don't care yeah. how good I, the graphics are. I, I, I understand that. I, I, I imagine it's different if you if you do get organized, you know, if you do play with friends or Oh I'm sure. You know, some some of these guys are in esports teams and that sort of thing and so they know each other a little bit more. Um But they didn't you know, grow up the way we did with these no. games. So it's just a different perspective. Now I'm not discounting that they're having fun. I'm sure they are. But it so, was a, so, but it was different. So here's here's a story about different perspective. We we were talking before about uh, about a card game. So uh, I was discussing this with my twelve year old daughter the other day about what we did before you had video games and phones and things like that. And I said, you know, sometimes we would uh, we would just sit down around and play a board game. Now she knows what board games are. We've played those before. Sure. I said I said or just with just a card game with playing cards. She said, What do you mean? a card game with playing cards. So I said, well, you know what a card game is? She says, yeah, like exploding kittens or uh, she reeled off a couple of, or, you know, a couple of others. I said, no, but with playing cards, she went, what do you mean playing cards? I said, you know, the cards with the, the diamonds, the jacks, the, the king, queen and Jack and all of that. And she went, oh, you mean magic cards. Ah. And I realized that the only time she's seen those cards is in a magic trick. She's. I said, look, those cards came from, you know, a generic set of cards that allowed you to play hundreds of different games with them, just using the same thing. I said, people play games with them 
that, that don't feel like magic tricks. They're just games, and the, you use the rules are based on the suits and the types of cards. She had no idea. I said, so you can play games like um, like poker or bridge or canasta or a solitaire. I said, there's all these different games you can play with that one set of playing cards, which means they're great because you have a set of playing cards, then you can come up with there's hundreds of options of different games you can play with people around you without needing a whole load of other stuff. Yep. She she kind of got it then, but it's not something she's ever really experienced. All right, why I just would thought, you? Wow, that's a that's a that's a weird disconnect because you know, I, our, our age, we all we all knew, you know, when we were that age, we all knew what playing cards were and what they were for. Yeah, we still play playing cards with my kids here, and we yeah. did with the older girls as well. And I remember when you know before Cole and Brooke were born, and we had Rachel and Brittany. You know, they'd go to bed at nine nine thirty, and it was just Julie and I, and we'd play cards. Yeah, you know, those are we don't. Unfortunately, we don't do that. Maybe we should get back to doing some of that because it was a lot of fun. What was the one that you yeah. had to keep points and bridge? Uh, yes, we played bridge a lot. In fact, that's what we've been teaching uh, Cole and Brooke, and they picked it up almost immediately. Now, I should say Cole is in particular um, extremely good at math. Okay, mm-hmm. he's thirteen, and. His math skills are, to be frank, exceptional. I mean, you know, he'll he'll see the 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 chances of winning, and he's seeing it in math. Well, if Brooke gets this and Mom gets that, then I'm going to have to. And but two of them have been played, so there's a chance. So I should not do that. But I should do this. He's really good at that, and he picks stuff up like that so fast. You need to teach him card counting and take him to the nearest casino. Yeah, which is. Make four miles away from me. Um, <clears throat> so before we wrap up, and I know we're about in an hour already, but um, we did tease this on the last tech fan that we were going to speak about Loki, the new yep. series. We are three episodes in now. Um, I like that they're releasing this on a Wednesday. Unlike mm-hmm. everybody else that's releasing everything on a Friday, this this. In fact, Disney has now said that they're going to start, it's going to be a, a Wednesday release date, which I think yep. is perfect. Um, I got to be honest with you. Scarlet Witch and Vision loved it. I, I thought it was great. Um, I liked the Winter Soldier a little bit better, only because I like the characters a little bit better, I think. Yeah. Um, but Loki is an entirely different level. This, by yep. far, is what I have been hoping a Marvel series on Disney Plus would be. This is brilliant. This is, I don't know if it's the acting, the writing, the the story itself, or just Tom Hiddleston is so, he was so, he is Loki. No one will ever be yeah. able to play Loki this way. Nobody. So he brings such a depth to this character that's just... Yeah. Yeah, he's. Yeah, I know he's executive producer on this series as well. So I think, I think this is very much driven by his idea of you know having played Loki for what ten, twelve years now. Yeah, this is this is very much. And and if you look at the way it's structured, there's very few scenes that, even the scenes that aren't in, that don't have Loki in them are about Loki. Um, so he's very much the core of the series rather than you know, them having a B plot or a C plot going on. It, it's all about him and his experiences. And that, that first episode oh my God. Is, is, it's literally his experience. You're seeing the whole thing 
and all the confusion and everything that comes along I, with I it. I love that it starts at the beginning. Well, what you saw in Endgame, which is at the end of the Avengers movie. You know, the yeah. Avengers defeat the whoever's coming through the gate and they capture Loki. Uh, and you actually get to see that from a different perspective, which is great. Um, yep. But he escapes and thus he's a variant. He is, yeah. he is that Loki, but he is out of time now when he wasn't supposed to be. Yeah. And so this time variant um, corporation. Agency. I guess, yeah. Agency takes yeah, him. TVI. Um, yeah. Here's, I, I, I think I figured something out. And by the way, if you haven't watched it, spoilers, you should stop listening, listening now. <laughs> yeah. um, I think the TVA is in uh, the quantum realm. Oh, to sync in, sync in with the uh, universe, the multiverse. Well, the yes, because things work that. differently there. So they have all these uh, different yeah. infinity gems that don't do anything because they're in the <laughs> quantum realm. They don't do anything in it's, the quantum realm. It's so great when when they come across that. Where, um, There's a desk yeah, full look, of infinity gems. First of all, Loki realizes his magic doesn't work there. Yep. Yeah. Because then, they're in the yeah. quantum realm. Yeah, and then he then they yeah he sees it because they took his uh, infinity stone off him. His uh, he has the tesseract which has the the mind stone in the middle. Um, they took it off him when they captured him, and he sees an opportunity to grab it back. Yeah, and then the guy who's like just like the low level bureaucrat who processed him goes, "Oh yeah, infinity stones. We get loads of them here. We use those paperweights because effectively the most powerful objects in the universe do do nothing." They are, right. and, all and Loki sudden, thinks he, this is because they're so powerful. This is the ultimate power in the in the galaxy. Yeah. but I He's don't think thinking, they are. I think it's no. because they're in the quantum realm. Yeah, I think. But this is this is when the penny drops, and Loki realizes, you know what? I've got to shift gears here. Yeah, take this place over, and I have the sort of power I've been looking for. But at the same time, he realizes how what, what an ups, what an, a huge um, uphill task it is doing that because these guys are. You know they're ahead of everything, and and of course what's what's happening is in in the show as you go through the show is you realise they're nowhere near as together as they think they are. Correct. You know which is which is interesting. Well, they deal with um, multiple uh, universes, obviously, well, because they have they, different Lokis. Well, they deal with multiple universes universes by effectively eliminating them and trying to keep a single universe, uh, a single time, what they call the sacred timeline. There's right. a lot of really great lore in, in this. What's what's great about the show is not only is it as, does it have good action and um, great characterization, including some of the side characters, are really well done. Yep. Um, you know, the performances are top-notch. The uh, the English act- actress who plays the kind of the judge and Mobius's boss yes. is fabulous. Yep. She she oozes menace. The Australian and, you know, she, lady who does Lady Loki, yeah, she's awesome. Yeah, exactly. I kind of and fell in really love with gr- her a little bit. Yeah, really great chemistry with uh, with Tom Hiddleston. Tom Hiddleston, of course, is just ah, fantastic. Well, here's what yeah. this is: what kind of actor he is. Now, remember that he is probably effectively acting on that stage set up like they do in Avengers where they can pretty much project behind you everything, right? Yeah. A lot of it's done that way. But remember, this is the Loki at the end of the first Avengers movie where it's the whole glorious purpose and he hasn't gone on the same journey that he would have had he stayed in his own timeline where he not necessarily becomes a good guy, but he... You know, his love for his father and family really does shine through. And, you know, yeah. he dies, um, you know, effectively on Thor's side. 
And yeah, trying to, trying to betray Thanos. Yes, and, and you can yeah. see Thor's pain when he dies. And he did die. That's the thing. That yeah. Loki did die. So <clears throat> how do you convey that quickly to this Loki? Well, he watches his own history, which is would yeah. have been his future. And he sees you know, his mother die. He sees his own death. And realizing that, you know what? Tom Hiddleston is not seeing any of that. Yeah. He's just acting and it's freaking, he goes from being this glorious purpose guy to very humble, very quick, realizing what was important to him all this time and how he was wrong. Uh, uh, the second episode when he reads about this, the Ragnarok yeah. and the destruction of Asgard and you just see the single tear roll down his face. It was just brilliant. Oh my God. It's so good. You know, and and this is it. He he can convey stuff about Loki with just a look and a thought, and uh, and an, and an I'm act. I'm telling you, so, he is Loki. There uh, yeah, there is no exactly. Loki without Tom Hiddleston. Um, yeah, I think part of the reason that the Marvel Cinematic Universe is what it is is because of the villains. It's not just the heroes, and the yeah. best villain is Loki. He just is. They yeah. well. He's kind of an anti-hero, if you will. I mean, because he has an actual journey. Um, yeah, but those, those are the best types. The ones where, is. you know, you see them do good things, you see them do bad things, they've got their own motivations, and they're never one or the other. But uh, and I never, say that, I mean, but he, Thanos is so freaking good, dude. I mean, he's yeah. so convinced that he what he is doing is good. He's not some evil trying to take over no, the exactly, thing, you yeah. know. Um, turning planets to slack. That's not what he is. He wants to save the universe from overpopulation. But talk about glorious purpose. Thanos is completely, you, you know that whatever happens, uh, Thanos will never turn and, and change away from that. He's no. solely focused. The difference yep. with, with Loki is that Loki is constantly saying, well, can I, is this, is this a better angle for me? Yes. Is this something else? And, and his ability to do that and really, play the situation well, is what and makes also his... grow as, as a character yeah. as situations hey. change his perspective changes and yeah. he will turn he's so good at it so yeah. one of the my things only, that, my only concern yep. I've, I've only got one concern so far and this this started to come through to me during the second episode um i i just worry that the the the, uh, the you know there's so much that's so great about this as we've said the acting the scenario the whole idea which which basically fixes a whole load of problems with um the time traveling in in um endgame yep. which basically they they just wave away and they say no no that was no, supposed to happen Timekeeper said all of that was meant to happen so it was perfectly allowable it was brilliant my only concern is they got the characterization right they've got the realization of the of the time variance authority where they're kind of quirky sixties tech and yet superpowers thing. So well done. They've got the, um, you know, the, the broad concept of taking Loki out of time and, and kind of making it a procedural show about himself. They've got all of that, right. My only worry is that having got all of those startup concepts, right. They won't stick the landing because this is a constant Marvel problem is the landing is a little bit, you know, by the time you get to the episode six or whatever it is, I think six with this one that you kind of go, Oh, well, yeah, you know, it could have been better the ending. So I just hope that this one uh, doesn't fall into that trap, but um, you know, I'm, I'm loving it so far. I really am. I, uh, I like when they show these, the time master guys, one of them is clearly King the Conqueror. There's no question. Yeah. That's King. 
which is a big baddie in the Marvel universe. He's a time traveling yeah. bad guy. Yep. One of the one right in the middle, that's King. Mm-hmm. So I think they're in the micro microverse or the quantum realm. That's why Loki's power doesn't work. Um, you know, the one guy, what's the other main character? Um, what's his actual Mobius. Name? No, I know it's Mobius. Uh, yeah, Owen, Owen Wilson. Oh, yeah, Owen Wilson. I don't generally like him in things. I think he plays the same character every time, and he's kind of doing that a little bit here, but for whatever reason, it's just freaking working. It really yeah. is. It's just working. And he says, you know, well, the timekeepers created them for this role, and then you find out, no, they actually didn't. Yeah. You know, they had a life before they became these time cops. And um, I, I I, think there's a lot to explore here. I think so far, just three episodes in, it's by far my favorite Marvel series. Uh, yeah. If they continue this type of storytelling and characterizations, um, I think Miss Marvel could be great. That I'm not talking about, <clears throat> excuse me, Captain Marvel. I'm ca- talking about Camilla. Yeah. Um, that could be great. Um, they just released the new uh, Shang, what was it? Uh, Shang-Chi, Shang-Chi and the Ten yeah. Rings. They just the trailer released. made it look awesome. Uh, uh, it looks Well, they showed the abomination. Yeah. I was like, holy crap. Yeah. And some people think it's Wong that he's fighting from Doctor Strange, which would I'd be fine with that too. Um, I don't know. Yeah. It feels like they, I, I may, the, the maybe first, was, go ahead. Maybe it was because I was watching the Shang-Chi trailer on my phone, but um, at first watch, I found it difficult to see who was who. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> I hope I get over that for the uh, for the for the main thing. Yeah, you got you um, got to watch it on a big screen. Um, you know, Marvel did something unprecedented in the history of of cinema with the first however many Marvel movies leading up to Endgame, where they you you followed this diverse group of heroes. And it really does cultivate or cultivate. What's the word I'm looking for? Uh, comes together yeah. in Endgame in the final battle. You see all of these heroes yeah. that you've seen in all these movies, and it has weight. You know all of these characters, and they're all fighting. And you know, of course, there's going to be sacrifice. And the the character who starts the whole thing, Tony Stark, dies at the end, saving everybody. Um. And it's, you know, I, I get it's like the biggest movie of all time, but Endgame is so brilliant, man. It's so good. And they could have stopped yeah. there. And they could have said that was it, and now we're just going to make a bunch of standalone movies and we're going to rinse and repeat. But they're not. You know, with the Disney Plus, it gives them so many more options and room to breathe for characters that deserve it. You know, yeah. I'm totally looking for the the funny uh, She-Hulk. You yeah. know, I think I it could be great. I I kind of think it could be. Um, the one that kind of gives me a little bit pause and gives me a little bit concern um, is the Immortals coming. The the Eternals. The Eternal. Sorry. Um, yeah. The, I've seen the trailer and I'm like, yeah, eh, I don't know. Um, yeah, that they, one worries they kind me a little of, bit. They kind of blew it with the uh, uh, with the Inhumans. I, um, I agree, and 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 this one ha- kind of has those vibes yeah. as well about it. Yeah, I don't know so, why any, nobody wants it. Give us Avengers five, a brand new start to the yeah. Avengers. You know, you give us Spider Man, you give us Vision, you give us the new Captain America. Leave Bucky out of it. 
give us, I don't know, Miss Marvel. Um, I don't know. Give us some, give us a different roster and they got a, there's a big baddie. Give us that. That's yeah. what we really want. But I'm going to trust Marvel here more so yeah. than I've been trusting Star Wars. I'm going to give Marvel and way more than I trust DC. I think they just have their head up their ass. Um, I think that they have another plan. And I think they developed this plan halfway through or maybe three quarters of the way through the first three or four phases. I don't know. Whatever it is. Cultivating yeah. with Endgame. Uh, yeah. I think they've got a plan. I think they know what they're doing. They're going to build some of these characters up on Disney Plus, and then they're going to release a movie, and it's going to be amazing, and people are going to love yeah. it. Um, so Loki is fantastic, people. If you haven't started watching it, do so. You're you're really doing yourself a disservice. Yeah. The, the only thing I'd say, Loki is one of those series you have to pay attention. I know a lot of people like to sit there, you know, and they have the phone in the hand, and they're checking yeah. a bit of Facebook while it's on and all that. Don't do that with this. No. You really need to... There's a lot of it's well done, but there is a lot of exposition while they try and set up what's quite a hard concept. And also, as well, you're also going to miss these great character moments between Loki and Mobius. Yes, if you're not paying attention, which are again are so well done, where literally they take a break out of everything and they talk to each other. Just each walking other. down the hall. And, yeah, and then in the third episode, we they do a similar sort of thing, but it's it's Loki talking to his female counterpart, uh, and it's the same sort of thing. They are they are humanizing the characters in the middle of this kind of this epic time traveling uh, adventure they've got going on, and it, it's really great stuff. So this one's worth paying more attention to. You know, Captain America: Winter Soldier. You could. You know, you could be distracted. You could tune out still, a little bit. And, yeah, tune out and, and still, still, still know what was it. going on. Yep. Yeah, but this one you you do. This one's a little bit more intellectual. I would um, say it's more and, like WandaVision, but done better. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I see. I don't think there's any rewatchability to WandaVision. No, uh, I think there is to uh, Winter Soldier Falcon. There's more. Mm-hmm. This one, I think this is going to be a um, rinse and repeat series for me to watch after it's all over a couple times. Yeah. It just, I could be wrong. Maybe they've thrown oh, it all well, I mean, at the wall so far and that's the, it. Yeah. This is part of the phase four thing, which is all about, uh, we know that the the next Doctor Strange movie is all about um, multi-dimensions. Yep. We know that Spider- the next Spider-Man movie is all about multi-dimensions. Right. This is obviously with them being in the TVA is going to, is setting that up. I think that this is going to have, after you've seen those movies and you've seen where they're going with these multiverse ideas, it's going to be worth coming back and watching yeah, this. And I agree. See the things where you didn't realize they were setting things up, but you can see it. My only know, concern kind of is DC is kind of doing the same thing with Flashpoint. Yeah, but DC's going to mess it up, so... <laughs> I don't know. I The the one that I have the most hope for is, is the new is the Flash movie coming up. Yeah. They got they got Michael Keaton as Batman, man. You, yeah, you can't screw I know. that up. I know. Well, you can. Yeah, don't... You, you can. The pro... I, my, my concern with Flashpoint is that beyond the idea of bringing all these different universes together by bringing all these actors to reprise their roles, they haven't really got anything. Um, and so it's still going to be a mess. I think the I mean, Flash could, was the one bright just, spot in Justice League. We'll, yeah, we, we'll see. It, I mean, it, it could just end up being, oh, let's bring back the Michael Keaton Batman because we can sell his Batmobile aside, you know, the Flashpoint Batmobile. You know, it could be as simple as that and it'll still be a mess. Um, I don't know. We'll I think Michael see. Keaton's at the age and the prestige that he would have turned it down if that's all it was. 
I, I think I think he yeah. read the script and was like, oh, yeah, this is good. Because remember, yeah, but, he was the guy that said after the second Batman movie and he saw what the next one was going to be, he was like, no, I'm not doing that. Yeah. You know? Yeah, well, let's, let's hope so. I hope so. So that's yeah. this week's Geeks Pub. We'd uh, appreciate feedback. It's the show at geekspubpodcast.com. Of course, you can follow us on Twitter and Facebook. But you have to do so with our uh, sister show, Tech Fans. Just look for Tech Fan on what uh, Facebook and uh, Twitter, and yeah, we, we, that's what we do there. You can always go to our website, thegeekspub.com, and find all the latest episodes as well as our back episodes. And you can find everything Tech Fan, The Geeks Pub, all the other shows on the network at mymac.com. And David, I will see you. Hopefully in a week, and uh, we'll be back in some heavy tech stuff with TechFan, including awesome. Microsoft Windows 11. Ooh, mm. interesting. So Have they turned it up to 11? We shall see. They turned it up to 11. They had to put a little marker on the uh, dial there. I'll see you then, David. See you then.